0: We are wrapping up our Soul Care series this morning. We've been looking for the last six weeks about what does it mean to steward the gift that is you. The best gift that you have to give away to God and to those that you love the most is the gift of your best self. And now more than ever in this time, it is important that we learn to become intentional about being wise stewards of our own souls. This uh, coronavirus epidemic is quickly becoming a plague of biblical proportions. And in this crazy season, we are reminded that one of the biggest challenges to faith is life itself. Life can mess us up. It can disorient us. It can cause us confusion. We can begin to ask, where is God? God, why would you allow this to happen to us? And in a season like this, we need to ask ourselves, what is normal life really like? Is our expectation of normal life that we should experience no crises, no challenges, no difficulties on our journey?" I think it's a mistake if we allow ourselves to equate the ideal with the normal. And yet we often make this mistake when it comes to our own lives. Somehow we think that normal life should glide along above the fray with nothing to interfere with our health or with our happiness or with our prosperity. And then when something disrupts our calm stability, we begin to wonder, why has God done this to us? How could this happen? And yet, I think it's also true that in these times of difficulty, of disruption, and of crisis in our lives, it reveals to us the real challenge of faith. Do we trust that God is in control? One of the paradoxes of life is that testing times are transforming times. Testing times transforming times. We don't like them. We dread them. We wish they would go away as quickly as possible. But nonetheless, we see through the Bible over and over again and in the story of our own lives that testing times are the most transforming times in our lives with God. Perhaps on our journey of faith, we need a new definition of what normal life really is. Normal life is the roller coaster of the ups and downs of life. Like we see in the stock market, for one day to the next, you never know whether we're trending up or we're trending down. I don't know how many of you like roller coasters. I love roller coasters. Some people like them, and some people really don't like roller coasters. What's the difference? Well, it's the fear of feeling out of control, right? When we're not in control, life becomes anxious and fearful. But it can also be exhilarating when we believe that the situation is truly under control, even if it's not in our control. We may feel at times that we are free falling through life, but we are held on the tracks by a God who is in absolute control at all times. We might not have fun in the situation like we would at an amusement park, but we can have faith that in every situation we experience in life, God is in control and thus he can calm our fears. God does not promise us a smooth ride through life, but he promises that he will hang on to us and he will never, ever let go. John Walton, biblical scholar said, faith is easy when life is easy. But when all is stripped away and no hope remains, in the dark, in the loneliness, in the emptiness, there is God. That's when faith stands up and is tested. An Old Testament scholar, Walter Brueggemann, has suggested that the life of faith is characterized by three recurring movements that we go through, being oriented, becoming disoriented, and then being surprisingly reoriented. He says there are times when our certainties about life seem seriously undermined, if not completely shattered. Yet it is often through these times that we experience movement into a new constellation of meaning and wholeness and purpose in our lives. If we understand that the spiritual life is a journey, the cycles of change and disruption will not scare us or turn us aside from our primary goal in life, which is to know and to love God, which is really what soul care is all about. I couldn't help this week but think about Jesus' disciples and the experience of disorientation that they went through. Perhaps as a kind of prequel to Easter, I'd like to take a look at the disciples' experience immediately following the death of Jesus in John chapter 20. Jesus' disciples had been going through life with a particular orientation to life based on who they believed Jesus to be. Jesus, they believed, was God's Messiah come in the flesh. The kingdom of God was at hand. God's justice and redemption for the people of Israel had arrived, and they were going to begin to rule the world with Jesus. They were even arguing who was going to sit on his left and right hand in glory. And then something completely unforeseen happens. The unthinkable, the unimaginable, Jesus, God's Messiah, dies. And he's placed in a tomb and everything came to a crashing halt. And the disciples' whole world becomes disoriented and turned upside down. And in this unique part of the story, we see Jesus' closest followers, his designated disciples now sheltering in place because they are afraid their very lives. In John chapter 20 verse 19 the story picks up on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders Jesus came and stood among them and said peace be with you. After he said this he showed them his hands and his side and the disciples were overjoyed to see the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine the confusion, the pain, the frustration, the anger that the disciples must have felt watching Jesus laid to rest in that garden tomb? Wasn't he the Messiah? Didn't we sacrifice everything to follow him? And for what? For this to possibly be killed ourselves? Their orientation to life and to God was based upon what they knew about God in that moment. How could they have imagined this brand new thing that God was about to do through his son? Which of us wouldn't have also wanted to run away and hide in an upper room to to shelter in place for fear of our lives, licking our wounded pride and nursing our deep disappointment, fear, and anxiety? And yet, God, that's it. And yet, God. And yet God is a reminder from their story and from our story that we serve a God of the impossible. Our God is a God that brings the new out of the old, hope out of failure, vision out of chaos, life out of death. When Jesus rose from that tomb, every human paradigm was shattered. Every illusion of control was exposed. Every human doubt was erased. The disciples' painful disorientation at the loss of Jesus gave way to a powerful new reorientation to Jesus and what God was actually doing in his world. It set their lives on a whole new trajectory that would alter the course of the entire history of the human race. Are we so different today? All of us learn to function within a particular orientation toward life in the world that allows us to make sense of who we are and of what God is calling us to be and to do. And sometimes, though, as we grow in God, we come to a point when we recognize that our current orientation to life, our current understanding of life is no longer sufficient to lead us where God is calling us to go. And men and women, perhaps this is one of those times for God's church in his world. As God begins to strip away the old understanding, the old orientation, it naturally leaves us feeling disoriented, confused, not knowing what the future holds. But this can often be the time when God does his reorienting work in our lives to bring us to the new thing that he wants to do and to be in us. How might God be reorienting your life? In this season? How might God be reorienting your priorities? How might God be reorienting the way you spend your family time together? How might God be reorienting your view of your finances and what's most important in your life? Testing times are often transforming times. Periods of difficulty and challenge and hardship in life can open us to new opportunities to grow in our relationship with God, to deepen our character and to find new joy in God's calling in our lives. Yes, this pandemic is frightening, but we don't have to sit around feeling like victims. Instead, we can choose to see that God can use the bad and turn it for the good, and new opportunities can arise every day to expand our sphere of influence and to connect with others in more intentional ways. If you're not sure what to do or where to begin in this season, perhaps ask yourself, what can I contribute? What do I have or what do I know that could be a a help or a solution for somebody else's problem today? How can I reach out to someone and simply be a voice of encouragement in their life, a voice of hope, a lifeline in the midst of their own darkness? How can I be a blessing to someone else today? In a surprising way, we discover that it's as we reach out to serve someone else that God fills us with his spirit and his love as a resource to give away to others. And we ourselves discover his blessing for us in the process. As we get good at pursuing genuine soul care in our own lives, we discover the ultimate goal is that we become a blessing to those around us. The love of God within us becomes the very gift that we have to give away to others in Jesus' name. It was the disciples' firsthand experience of the risen Christ that transformed their fear into joy. You see, genuine soul care is about remembering the importance for each one of us of continuing to experience the presence of the risen Christ in our own lives. And in that process, we also remember that testing times are transforming times. In this series, we have been learning that a soul is not so much something that you have as it's something that you are. We are living souls. A soul is not separate from all the other aspects of our lives. It's the integrating center of everything that we are. And self-care becomes soul care when it becomes a means of opening our hearts to the living God. We can be praying for God to reveal himself to us in this time. Let the activities that we choose to pursue in this time lead our hearts to the life-giving, life-changing awesomeness of God in a way that allows us to be reoriented to a new way of being a blessing to one another. Remembering that the best gift that you have to give away to those that you love the most is the gift of your best self. So I'd encourage you, during this time, if you have extra time, go back and listen to the messages in the Soul Care series. Look at the Soul Care exercises that we've been encouraging one another to pursue. Get out your Soul Care journal and begin to, to journal your conversation with God and where God might be leading you and how this might be a reorienting time for you and for your family in your own life. I know as a church and as a staff, we are being reoriented on a daily basis, and we need your help and your love and your support to come together to seek God's guidance during this time. This plague of the coronavirus will pass away and someday be simply an awful memory in our lives. But we can be praying for the heroic doctors and nurses and first responders, the medical researchers, and those who are keeping our food, open, food stores open and helping us to, to have some sense of normalcy in this crazy time. And of course, we pray for those who are stricken by this virus and pray for God's healing and wholeness and protection in their lives. As we wrap up our Soul Care series today, I'd like to close with the closing words of the Gospel of John in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. It says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, in these disorienting times, we throw ourselves upon your mercy and grace again in this season and ask that you would give us a calm confidence to be able to trust that you are in control. In this roller coaster season of daily ups and downs, would you give us a deep sense of peace and breathe upon us again the gift of your spirit to not only calm our fears, but to empower us to be a blessing to others. And as we care for one another, would you help us to see how serving one another is an important part of caring for our own souls as well. And we will praise you and thank you through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray.